You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, the running public. This is the Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Can I say it? You can say whatever you want. The red light's on. The red light, that's my line bracket. I want to open today with a special shout out. We have we had a message from a, a fan of the show, Sophia. Did you see this message on our Instagram? I was off grid this weekend, but I, I did see something was in there, yeah. She messaged us and said she completed her first ever 50K on the trails and listened to our show the entire time. That is amazing. You must have responded to that message. I did. She thanked us for giving her 50K worth of content. She seems like a martyr for listening to us for, what, six, seven straight hours? Oh, I like this Sophia girl a lot. You know, we we do some decent things here. I don't believe I'm a voice I'd want to listen to for six or seven hours. I couldn't do it. I've actually stopped listening to our episodes, Bracken. Oh, no. That's amazing. That makes my day. How awesome is that? We were we were part of her PR. And I think, and I told her, she set the PR most likely for the longest straight listen to the Running Public podcast. You know, we should, uh, if anybody's beat that, let let us know. I, I feel bad and thank you. And Sophia, thank you and congratulations. That's, that's awesome. I wonder what episode she hit. <laughs> I don't even know. We didn't discuss this, but I feel like she earned something. Okay. So... I'm comfortable tossing a free month of coaching her way. Sophia, I can't refute that offer, Bracken. I think uh, I think. What Sophia if she picks you? Are you going to back it up? 100% I'll back it up, of course. Okay. I, oh, I really put you on the spot because we didn't discuss this. We haven't given away free coaching in a while. we got to come up with something for that coming up yeah. again. Well, we have we have 100 episode coming up in the next, what, month? No. I think we're on 70-something. Okay, now, in the calendar year, we're going to hit 100. Yeah, close to, I think in January. We I don't know what month we're in. January. So we're going to have to do a bunch of cool stuff for that. But anyways, Sophia, reach out to us. If you're recovered enough to use your thumbs, pick up the old Instagram account and message us and let us know if you're interested in coaching. If not, we're just going to give you a high five. I love that. Damn right you're going to be interested in coaching, right, Sophia? If you listen to six hours of us, you're either ready to be coached or ready to never have anything to do with us ever again. <laughs> so true. Um, all right. We'll wait to hear from you, Sophia. You just messaged our uh, running public Instagram account, which I'm usually the first to get to those messages. But this weekend, Brack, and I missed it. So thank you for picking up my slack. When I had so much work this weekend that my phone was just in front of me. I was at the computer and my phone was sitting in front. So every message that came in, I saw instantly. Or usually I... I leave the phone if I'm near family or doing a job. I, I try to say one task at a time. And so I don't see messages mm. immediately. See, I got to tell you. So I spend my weekends in the woods this time of year. And where I go, I have my phone says no service. So sometimes I'm gone for a whole day. So you might have to pick up my slack on the weekends, Brackenstein. Do what we can. I got a burning question for you, Bracken. 
burning. Why are you not at the Spartan Games? You know what? I had the opportunity. You did? I did. Tell me more. It wasn't a formal invite, but I had someone ask if there was interest there. Maybe that's how the formal invites went. I don't know. I didn't see how anyone else's, but let, let's take a look at what we know about it so far. Who, wait, who offered this? I can't, I don't, I don't think I should say names. I don't want to burn bridges. Well, can you read the people, my screen name, my username today? It says Spartan Games can suck it. <laughs> <laughs> so we can customize our username every time Bracken and I chat. I won't tell you what Bracken says today. <laughs> However, <laughs> Ours are increasingly inappropriate if there's no guest on. It, it, yeah, it gets bad. However, uh, I really thought, I would have said no, but I'm a little disgruntled that I didn't get a phone call. And I feel like it would have suited me very well. It would have. And because the goal is half competition, half reality show, you make sense to bring on. Yeah. Oh, well. Here's what I knew about it going in. There was a very long trail run. There was a Spartan sprint course. There was wrestling. There was some sort of um, Scottish games. Bike event. A bike event and a long swim. Um, I can't remember the others, but of those, there are two I could safely do. <laughs> at this stage of rehab, I have no right going 20, 30 miles on the trails, wrestling, running a Spartan sprint course. None of that can I do safely. And so against every fiber of my being, I did not respond in the affirmative. Oh, and you were, you, you would have though, you think if you were healthy? Oh, this is, this is right up my alley. This is a hundred percent what I would want to do mm. for sure. Well, this anonymous human who reached out to you, but not me, they can suck it too. Yes, they <laughs> cannot because I want them to reach out next year. <laughs> I take it back. I mean, how many times have you been on course with someone and be like, if I could just wrestle this jerk right now, you would get to. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, you're seeing, um, I don't know how much you've been on social media this morning. We're recording on Monday, but um, they've been putting out clips of some of the stuff. Looks pretty epic, actually. Yeah, I just saw Corinna Coffin body slam. What's her name? Emma. Uh, crossed, oh, she, the one who crushed TMX. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Corinna, I think they were wrestling in the ring together, and Corinna just put her I right saw on her back. get dropped. Oh, really? Well, there's yeah. big weight differences in a lot of these guys. And you had like Atkins wrestling. I don't know who the dude was, but the guy was at least 30 pounds heavier than him. Mm -hmm. So, like, who knows? But yeah. All right. Well, you could have been there. At least you can know that. That's Maybe. I, I don't, again, I don't know if that was an official invite or a feeler, but. At least there was a feeler. <laughs> I got no feels over here. Um, today, Bracken, you're wearing your kind of orangish red shirt, and I think it's fitting. No, it's very red. Uh, it's, red. it's entirely red. Okay, we'll just go with it. So why are you wearing your orangish red shirt today, Bracken? Well, I, there is no reason, but it does match our topic, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Tell Strava. Us. Strava, Strava, Strava. Strava. Now, I'm, you're, the way you're upset with the Spartan games, I'm upset with Strava. But my own feelings aside, Strava is probably the best platform for runners right now and mm. endurance athletes in general outside of maybe Garmin Connect. And because of the social aspect that's been embraced by the entire planet, Strava is the number one place that all endurance athletes probably should be and we got to talk about it i agree you're either rolling your eyes when you read the topic of today's 
conversation or you're, you just love it and want to hear more and hear people talk about it. And so I think you fall in one of two camps. And if you're in the middle, I, I mean, my take is you're a little disgruntled. I am a big fan of the membership upgrades. I know it's paid for, but what it includes has been very beneficial for my cross training even, which is something I never looked at Strava for before. Um, but I'll be, uh, I think we just want to dive into it. The good, the bad, the ugly. We want to talk about the membership differences and we want to talk about like using it as a training tool and maybe watch like the rabbit holes you can fall into that are dangerous. Yes. So most people have used it and know about it, but for those who don't, and there are new athletes who don't know what it is, I'm going to give just a quick broad overview. Strava is a combination of a training log and a social media platform for endurance sports. It syncs to your GPS watch, phone, um, platform, whether it's Garmin or Polar, whatever, and it takes all of your data from every single run that your watch would normally give you and it puts it into a social media style post where you can see all your metrics and you can comment on it, show the shoes or the bike or the treadmill you used. Other mm -hmm. people can like it, see it, follow your training, look at your metrics, or you can list things as private. And it also allows people to track their performances versus others on the same GPS tracks. Mm -hmm. And I believe it was originally created for, I think a, as a triathlon tool initially, tracking the bike, the swim and the run. And now it's expanded into other customized features on your watch. But um, it is the one source where you can openly, it's like a, a workout and training log for the world to see. We, Bracken and I are both fans of writing it down on paper still, and I mm -hmm. will. Um, but I can't track heart rate metrics or course records or compare to others through my written log. And so Strava is a tool in which helps us do that. And I will give Strava all its credit. It is rare in the endurance world to have a really clean tech-based product. You usually get either a really pretty product that has no functionality or you get something that has all the functionality you could ever want and it looks like it's in beta testing. It just never works cleanly. It never looks good. It's not user friendly. This is a true social media experience in the cleanliness and, and user, um, just, just ease of access for the users. But it's also probably the only fitness app I've ever used that doesn't leave me wanting anything else out of it. It does everything correctly. It's thought out and it's implemented with the help of athletes. And so every metric you'd ever want to see, and then the ability to interact with the metric does work and is easy to use. Yes. If, in my opinion, it is coupled with a working and accurate heart rate monitor. Yes, you definitely need that. Otherwise, you have Ryan Woods. <laughs> Ryan Woods, every run he ever posts, somebody comments on it. Holy crap, man. You ran 610 pace at 109 heart rate. You're insane. And he always says it's risk-based and I don't cinch it down. Don't worry about my heart rate data. <laughs> right. But because it's in there and it is data, people overlook into everything. And so, yes, you need accurate, reliable devices. So Bracken's on the disgruntled train with Strava because as you guys know, Strava said, hey, we're not giving you your stuff for free anymore. Mm -hmm. We are going to charge you for this service. And in my opinion, I don't know how they got away with not charging for that service for so long. Like it's a free app. I didn't see much for advertising on there. I don't even know how they made their money, to be honest. I'm sure in a way I don't really understand. But 
they started charging. And Bracken, what bold decision have you made? I have not paid for the premium subscription. And, and here's the thing. Missing out. They are absolutely 100% justifiable in what they are charging and why they're doing it. Like you said, they could not have been making money off it. And if this came out tomorrow, if Strava was invented tomorrow and they showed me everything they could do and said, I'm going to charge you $60 a year for this, I would laugh and say, take my $60. (laughs) I would have paid double or triple that for this. But because they gave it to me for five years for free and then asked me to start paying for the best features, the ones that I use daily, I immediately got crabby and grumpy and said, get out of here. I'm not going to do that. And I should. This is nothing but ego standing in my way. I should, and I will at some point, but I've dragged my feet because I'm pissed off at them. They use the drug dealing example. I mean, they used the clear cut path of a good drug dealer. They flooded the streets with their product for really cheap or free. They gave it away. And once they had you hooked, now they started to, to, to gouge you for it. Except they're not even gouging. It's just the fact that they baited me in and I fell for their product is why I'm refusing to pay for it. Yeah. Well, I chose to upgrade instantly. So did Lisa. We're a split household. I can't even follow my own household's example. She's looking through it and having all these pretty graphs and tracking her log and seeing where she stands on segments. And I'm back in the dark ages over here pouting. (laughs) Are you still using the baseline features? I can't use most things. I use whatever I can, but most of it is only half functional. Well, I'll tell you what, it's been super, super, super helpful for me in the sense that I can track my running metrics when I'm running, but I'm not running right now. So I've been doing a lot of, do you hear those gulps folks? That's, that's Bracken's gullet. He's the loudest drinker in the planet. Got to chug. I do not sip. I gulp. You do gulp. Um, anyways, the, the most beneficial feature for me has been tracking the relative effort of my workouts. Do you remember that function? Oh, yeah. I, and it wasn't fully fleshed out. It's great now. And so I can understand where my fitness is at or how big of an effort I put out based on metrics, pacing, especially. Um, but now that I've been doing cross training, it gives me my real scores. And so when I transitioned from running to cross training, I knew my score was somewhere between four and 600 every week running. And if I can match that in cross training and I have to work harder in cross training to match it, I know that I'm still getting in roughly the same quality, the same volume, the same effort, even if it's more time in the saddle or cross training than it was time running. I still knew where I could kind of, my body wanted to sit if I wanted to maintain fitness. So it's been a big tool I would say in the injury realm to understand what my output has been, no matter what the modality. And so for that alone, coming back from injury, I really like, I would upgrade just for that feature alone. And that was not something I ever really had access to before they went premium. So that, that alone right there. Now, if I was to argue against myself, I would say their training log alone is worth paying for. They have such a nice user interface on their training log that I can scroll down. I can, you can set your metric for time or miles or kilometers or vertical gain. And it just changes your total along the edge and you just swipe down and you see all your weeks in a row sitting there and you can track volume and vert and everything so effortlessly. And I can't use that anymore. Mm -hmm. And I use that every single day. I would scroll back through and look at things or their, um, their workouts have different colors 
based on how you assign it, whether it's a long run, an easy day, a quality workout or race. So you can quickly scroll back through. It's like having your own color-coded training log, but you don't have to turn pages. You can see a week and you know, a year and two seconds scrolling through. And they change the size, the icon of each workout, depending on how big the workout was. So mm-hmm. you can easily look through and watch your quality day progression or your long runs. And it's so nice and simple and I don't have it anymore. And I'm so bitter about it. Uh, you got a birthday coming up, Bracken? May. Oh, you're May as well. That's right. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll get it, get you Strava for Christmas or something. You know, what's interesting is looking back on that date after I purchased this, and we're going to get into some specifics here shortly, folks, but is that I've had a few stress fractures and injuries and I can go back two years. You can go back in your Strava and look at your training peaks and cycles. And man, I get to the highest peak I've been at in the most volume and the most general relative effort and the biggest workouts. And I get there consistently. And then now twice I have completely crashed afterwards after my two peaks. And I'm wondering as simple as that, looking back, when I get to a certain point, I put the governor on myself and not allow that last 10% of what's gotten me injured to occur. And there's little interesting nuances with Strava like that, that you can start to piece together. Strava is way more valuable after you use it for a while and you've accrued data over time. It's when it really starts to pay off. But if I didn't have that data, like I may not rework my training plan, but now I can go back and I can justify why I'm sitting here not running today. Now, we should just announce we have no relationship to Strava. None. At all. This is starting to turn into a sales pitch, and I don't think it needs to be, but I guess I'm pitching it the same way I'm pitching a training log to people in my Mm -hmm. multicolored pen. These are tools that make you better and more accountable and data-driven as an endurance athlete. Yeah. I'm done with my sales pitch, really. That's all I really care about. <laughs> we need to talk about lots of things. I mean, there's yes. a few ways to use as a, a training tool, and I think we should dive into a few more of those. And then we got to talk about the pitfalls and the dark rabbit hole of Strava, which can be very yes. dangerous for some people. Um, so what, what are some other ways people can use it to benefit their training and their racing that come to mind? Well, it's it's really, really easy, like you said, to track your volume and your intensity leading up to anything and look back and say, okay, at this point of the year last year, you know, my nice little chart was up here. And at this point I'm higher, like I'm clearly doing more, but it shows my relative stress level is lower. And you can really tell what's going on with your training where most people don't dive into their own training. There are a lot of people with some really nice Excel sheets out there, but Mm -hmm. most people don't. And this does it for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I think, being able to, not everybody is paper driven, you know, yep. a lot of people are getting pretty used to looking at screens all day. And so it, it works for that too. But yeah. um, I think, I think cleanly tracking segments that you either create or vice versa to compare yourself to yourself yes. and previous and then current times is also very beneficial. Yeah. So for anyone who's not familiar with segments and routes, any GPS coordinate and line that will show up on your map, you can break down into a segment. So you can just set your start and end point on any run, any section of your run. It could be a flat section, a hill, an entire loop, a mile, and you just save that section and name it. And now anytime you or anyone else runs it, it's saved. And you can compare your efforts across time and you can make it private too. And I do this with every one of, as everyone knows, I have go-to hills, go-to tempo loops, go-to interval trail sections that I use. And I just make a Strava segment for all of it. 
Mm-hmm. And if I don't want it to get out there, then I just keep it private. So only I can see it. But every workout I do, uh, this hill I have that I've been working the last couple of weeks, I have an ascent and a descent segment saved for it. If I do 20 by hill reps on that, I get 20 saved segment data points when I get done with the workout. So I don't even have to take splits during my workout if I don't want to, because afterwards, every single time I crossed GPS marker one and GPS marker two, it saves my hill rep. And I see all of my hill reps. And then I can also compare it to any other time I've run that hill and you watch your workout progression. So creating segments and routes is invaluable in terms of repetitive training, which as Kirk and I have often stated, we are believers in repeating workouts over training cycles. Yeah, that may be the biggest benefit of the whole thing right there, to be honest, is is repeatability and automatic tracking. Um, yeah. So that's that's a good point. And if you like to get competitive, you know, we had a long time without racing. And so people, you've seen a lot. It was like trendy for quite a while. It's starting to fizzle out as people going and chasing FKTs, fastest known times on certain routes. Um where it's your own time trial. It's a race against others who aren't currently running at the same time as you, but on the same exact course or route. And that's enough to keep people motivated in a time when there aren't things to work towards. And you still see some people out there chasing crowns, as you oh, call yeah. it. But for those of you, I know most of you probably know all of this already. Um, so it might be falling on deaf ears, but I know there's a host of you out there who are probably underutilizing training tools out there, whether it's even the functions of your watch or it is Strava, or it is your Garmin Connect. It's like, man, if you're putting enough time into your life to listen to this silly podcast, it's probably time you update your data game as well, because Mm -hmm. you're going to eventually see benefit from tracking all of that stuff in a way more than just pen and paper can do. And this is a question I get oftentimes, like, what is the best watch for becoming a better runner? Or what is the best blank I can get for myself? And the answer is that none of them truly matter. It's the one that allows you to be more purposeful about your training. Kirk has a watch that costs probably $150 more than mine. That $150 doesn't make him better as he puts it on, but if he can program more purposeful workouts or use his data more intelligently to program better workouts in the future, that was $150 well spent. And if you can take any data point that you have and use it for a purposeful, meaningful change to your next workout or training cycle, then it's worth having. And as much as I'm grumpy at Strava, $60 a year is worth paying to always know exactly the effort you're putting in and how it compares to previous efforts. Do you know there's one reason why I bought that more expensive watch, Bracken? One reason. I, it, it'd be the same reason I would buy it, I assume, which is in live, in the in the moment, during the run, altitude and vertical ascent. Yeah, it's got a built-in altimeter and nothing drives me more nuts than going out and running for two hours and then seeing 3,980 feet of gain. And I'm like, after you upload it to Strava and I'm like, you mother... I would, if I would have known, I would have gone to 4,000 because my mind works that way. And so now I can just see real time where I'm at for vertical gain on that run. And I use that function all the time. So that's it. And on our treadmill, we do 200, 300, 500,000 foot gain intervals. You can do the same thing with your watch outside. Whereas Mm -hmm. I have to prep a, a, a route beforehand to find what my gain is. And then I can set a segment for that. You can do it in the moment. 
Yeah, I found that most beneficial when I've been traveling and running mountain trails and then like knowing where to turn around or stop or things like that. That's been super helpful. But uh, where do we want to go next with this conversation then? Any other tools that you find are super beneficial? I don't really actually. There are other tools you can use, but the training log, the segments, and also the explorer, I should say. The exploring segments and exploring routes is really nice. When I travel, I use all trails and I use Strava to explore where I'm going to run in that area. That could be as, as intense from I'm going to Spain, you know, with, with my family when, when we went over there to see my sister and I explored the mountains over there to find runnable steep sections to get a good workout in. And it can be as simple as the night before a race, I don't want to run on pavement. Let's find a good trail around here to go jog on. Mm -hmm. All trails is a fantastic one too. If people don't have that, that's a free app. That's fantastic. I... I just want one more little quick story about why the segments are so important because segments are going to be the next section of this when we talk about the downside of Strava, Mm -hmm. but it's so beneficial. For example, I did that, that run the other day where I set my fastest ever downhill descent when we were doing that workout, but I wasn't trying to run hill repeats. Well, we were just trying to run steady up and quick and relaxed down. And I, so I wasn't tracking anything. And when I got done with that, I thought, man, I took a beating certain places, but I felt pretty good most places. And I haven't been running very long at all now. And my, I don't have the resistance built up to that. So I've got a lot of work to do on, on descending. And then my Strava account showed me that was the fastest I've ever descended. And so that helped guide what I did next in my Mm -hmm. training, which is my quads and glutes can really handle the descents right now. So I have to pair that with turnover and actual hip flexor work because that's what was really blown up on me the next day. Rather than I don't have to run any better technique right now. I have to build up different areas that I, I didn't think I would get to until months down the road. I got to move up my training schedule because of that instant feedback after the run. So that's invaluable. Without that, could I have figured it out over time? Yes, but I might have spent five or six weeks working on something that didn't need to be worked on when I could be spending that time more efficiently. It's a good point. And and as I mentioned briefly, the more accumulated data you have, the more comparatives you have, the more perspective you have. If you've been dragging your feet with potentially using any sort of data, and there's others out there, any data tracking service, um, I would just like go do it right now. Like if you're thinking about it, just the sooner you can start, the better, the more data you have, the better. And that shows through in something like that. Cause how long have you been running that hill? Uh, two years, two years and some pretty good fitness in that two years at times. Right. Yep. So didn't, was that a little ego boost that, uh, it was huge. And, and then it had ramifications for my strength training program because there were parts of it I was trying to re-examine and decide what do I get value from and what is taking up time or adding bulk that I don't need. And it reaffirmed some places that needed reaffirming. And it showed me that some things that I thought I was gonna need to add back in might not even need to go back in because my current program was addressing it better than I thought it was. Mm. So it wasn't just about my hill running, it also extended into other areas of my training. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And, and Bracken, I'm glad you said that we're not like partnered with Strava because we're not, and we, we're not getting anyone. But I, I just want one last thing I want to add to this. And I feel very passionate about this because, you know, how many people out there, one, get injured or two, get burnt out through a season or three, peak and they don't even know that they peaked or why they peaked or where their training has been at. 
And how many people out there don't track or log or are too lazy in quotes to get it to run in their running log? They're too busy and just don't want to take time to do it. Well, I will just tell you that if you're an athlete who peaks too early or you find yourself burnt out every year or you never seem to show up on race day and perform the way you want or you're constantly cycling through injuries or any of those other things that happen to you as an athlete, don't you want to sort of find out some rhyme or reason as to why the heck any of that happens? And there's one cheater code way to do it, and it's, it's to pay these guys a yearly subscription and upload your data. And then one day when you have to sit there and scratch your head as to why something happened and how to learn from it moving forward, you can. And that has everything to do with performance, to injury, to peaking, to bonking, to, oh, yeah, this is why, or my heart rate's higher than it should be. Maybe I'm overtrained or it's you, it can go so many levels with it that I just think if you're you know, like I said, you take the time to listen to this podcast. You take the time to go get up early and go run or bike or swim or whatever you're doing for training. You sacrifice time with family and friends, yet you're not like, I don't know, getting the most data out of your efforts to track. I think you're just, I think you're just missing the mark. That's what Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. And and if we look on a return on investment, again, I'm not paying for it, but I'm going to eventually because I'll want it. And I'm going to want it more as my training ramps up. Mm -hmm. It was easy for me not to pay for it after knee surgery. That's when this happened. They implemented it this summer because I was like, oh, screw you guys. I don't need you. I actually don't miss you. But now that I'm back to running and cross training, I'm starting to miss them. But you look at return on investment. So you've got your protein and let's say you spend 50 to $70 a month on protein and you've got your pre-workout that you're spending $50 a month or something like that. And your, um, let's say you buy a new pair of headphones each year and these other things that add up. It's snake oil. Yep. Absolutely. And this is $60 a year. And there is an argument to be made that by refining your training plan for you in particular, identifying what your maximum like load rating is, like what is your gross vehicle weight rating? When you load yourself past X hours per week or X intensity per week, you get a stress fracture. For you to identify that off $60 a year, that's a bigger return on investment than any of those other pieces. I mean, how much I've spent tens of thousands going to physical therapy and the doctor over the years. Right. I mean, I'm over glorifying it, but like it could have maybe prevented one of those stress fractures by learning. So I know I'm talking against myself here and I know I should just go out and pay for it, but, and I will at some point because $5 a month is negligible to anyone who pays $200 for a race entry. So <laughs> true. Anyways, I've got to get off my high horse about it. But the, the point is that this is return on your investment. You will make better workouts and better training plans simply by having this in front of you. There is useless data in life and there's purposeful data. And most of this is purposeful. And if you're a racer, mountain racer, trail racer, road racer, Spartan racer, whatever racer, then you get to go back and you get to really find where your weaknesses are or strengths compared to the field as well. You can exactly. find you were you were dead last on the climb, but you were third on the descent. You had the slowest bucket carry in the group. Um, that may be something you want to work on. Your descents are great. Your climbing sucks. Learn that. Just by comparing yourself to others, you can actually pick up on spots in the race where you need the most focus, and that can help guide your training too. When I first started OCR, um, I was able to get the Tahoe splits. I took 58th place at Tahoe my first year. um, And it was a humbling three hours and 17 minutes. But I got to compare. The bucket carry that year was three quarters of a mile long. It was my first time climbing a real mountain, yet descending 
a real mountain at the same time. And um, that data was invaluable to learn. Clearly, I found out I sucked at climbing. And my bucket carry, oddly enough, took like twice as long as, as Hobie calls. That's some data you cannot, you can't get unless you upload to the, the, the server. So um, just another vouch to figure out where you're at. Bracken left me stranded in a monologue there for like 30 seconds. How did it go? Uh, average. Um, but anyways, so I just think for race data comparative and learning your strengths and weaknesses and tailoring your training program in that regard is oh, very That crow's milk just flew through me and I had to hit the, I had to hit the bathroom. <laughs> crow's milk. Yeah. Wow. All right. Good for you. That was a fast, that was a fast run there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the secret to my, to my, my pre-workout is, is crow's eggs and crow's milk. Uh, it's always an issue with your pre-workouts. So, all right, we've we've given Strava enough of a back rub here, I think, right? Yes. So let's talk about some of the pitfalls because there are some athletes out there who know their tendencies well enough to not even go near Strava because it's more of a danger than a potential help to them. Why is that, Brian? Because like anything else, if you get affirmation immediately, you will seek more affirmation. And Strava gives you immediate affirmation and they reward hustle and hurt and suffering and high effort workouts by giving you badges and crowns and kudos and a great suffer score. And so you see that and you want more of that and you start feeling like your workouts aren't adequate if they don't contain some sort of immediate gold star for what you did. I would say Strava is probably the number one reason that people don't properly polarize train and the number one reason why people overtrain or burn out. It's the number one reason why recovery days don't become recovery days because oh, I just got to chase this little segment on my recovery run because I'm so close or I know people are going to see my pace or I know people are going to have an idea what I'm doing. And it leads to overtraining for a lot of folks. It, leads it does. To, and it leads to, it leads to too much. It, it, it blurs the lines of polarized training for some people because they're, they don't want that slow, easy data for the world to see. The worst part about social media is that everyone with an opinion can launch it out there immediately with no checks and balances. The second worst part is that it gives you a false narrative about someone's life. Because when you take a couple photos, you don't go through and be like, oh, my eyes were half closed there. People need to see that I have a double chin today. You, know, you don't do that. The one where you look hot and thin and attractive and you 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 only post pictures of the good side of your vacation or your kids smiling you don't post pictures of your kids being mean to each other or when your husband drooled or when your wife overslept a meeting like th those aren't the things that come up and so you don't find out the real things about people mm -hmm. and that whatever that is in our head that's only based around telling people the best parts of us that comes out on strava it does want to they, they don't want to show people their crappy recovery run. They want to show them a tempo run. And so they either only post their good workouts or they run intentionally in a way that makes every workout look good. And that's really dangerous. Yeah. That dopamine hit people are looking for and they, they want to do more and more because they know people are going to see it. Now you can, you can make your, your profile private and then nobody can see it. And, uh, that can negate that if you have an issue with people watching you run slow on Strava, but 
if the Spartan race took place and there were no pictures taken, did it really happen? Right. Exactly. Right. Same thing. Right. If you if you cracked off a great temple run and no one sees it on Strava, did it really happen? And so very few people keep their stuff private. But you're right. You got to glamorize it. And if you don't glamorize it, then it's it's not rewarded. But there should be some reward for a recovery day score. I couldn't agree more. If you label it as a recovery day, that should be the next upgrade yes. to their system. Yep. Yeah. Good job. You kept your heart rate underneath something. Show the people that little badge. Everyone learned in psychology class back in high school about the experiment where a mouse pushes a button and they received uh, an electric stimulation in a pleasure cortex of their brain. Hmm. And they would push the button until exhaustion took over and they collapsed. They would forego food and water to keep hitting that button. And that's essentially what we're doing on Strava, what a lot of people do on Strava. They will forego all nutrients like recovery days and easy days and regeneration for just hitting that KOM over and over and over and getting kudos from people. We are no different than those dumb little mice and we're recovering the same amount they are. Yeah. Stop doing that, people. I know. For me, when I first got Strava and I realized everybody could see it and I saw me creeping up some leaderboards. I for sure blurred the lines between my recovery days and my hard days. My recovery days were higher in heart rate than they should be. Um, and I noticed I had to keep it in check. I definitely had to keep it in check. Or I felt like I needed to like let everybody know, like, this is a recovery day. Mm-hmm. Like, and I nah, think that's good, actually. I wish everyone would entitle their runs as recovery or easy or long. Purposeful labels really help the stigma of being fast versus slow. Yeah, well, all you have is long run and workout, basically. Like quality day, yeah. I think the easy recovery run would be super beneficial. I will say, and this can work in a positive way, and maybe some of you feel the same way, you're going to go out and hit a tempo run or your mile repeats, and it is time to go hard. It is. This is the 20%. And you know that your three followers are going to see this. Maybe... When you think of pulling the plug on that mile five, that final mile of your tempo run and easing back because it hurts, you know your mom pays attention. She follows you on Strava, and you keep the throttle dialed down where it needs to be through the finish. You do mile repeats, and you're really hurting by three, but you have two left. But you don't stop, and you keep working hard because that data is going to be up on Strava, and you might be a little embarrassed if your last two splits are slower. It has worked in my benefit in that way. It absolutely can. It certainly can. If you can separate the two, you you have to only use it on those days when you're going hard as motivation and on the easy days, you have to just swallow your pride. And you have to go in with the same mindset as why you're paying for it. You're paying for the progressive nature of the features that can help a progressive nature of training. You're not paying to be a workout warrior. And so when mm-hmm. it's time to be in a workout, you have to remember, I'm doing this to get better for next week and the week after and the week after and the week after, not in order to become this little, uh, this, this practice all American this week and then injured for the next six. Well, and the other dangerous thing then with this too, and this goes back to our mindset episode last week is, you know, saying the race has already been won by the time before it's even started. Mm-hmm. Cause you see, because you see Bracken Crocker's out running 430 pace for his tempo run. There's no way you can beat Bracken Cracker. Look at how fast he's running. And we're all following the guys we compete against on social media. 
And we all see Woodsy going out and running six-minute pace every day. We see Botchers doing 12-mile runs at 6 O's on recovery days right now. We see epic mountain days out of Ryan Atkins where he's doing 20,000 feet of vert in a day, which is ridiculous. And you chalk all those guys up because of their data as untouchable. Mm-hmm. And you're wrong. You're completely wrong. You see because somebody is a speed demon on a 400 on a track running 65 seconds, you say, I can't touch that guy. But what is he really going to be on a Spartan course with shitty terrain and technical and sandbags? I get caught in that. You see data. You you have data envy sometimes, you know? Oh, for sure. I've beaten all those guys. I And they're running significantly faster than I am on Strava, even in the same week that I've beaten them. Yeah. And so don't get caught up in that either. Use it to strive towards something if you feel necessary, but don't let people beat you with their Strava data because that's really easy to do. And you also see people track intervals differently on Strava. Some people, like I let my watch run for my rest. So I go do quarter mile repeats, but it says my average pace is eight minutes because it's tracking my rest as my average pace. Some people stop their watch but for rest, which is very confusing to me. And it shows up on Strava as they ran 504 pace for five miles, but really it's intervals and you'd have no idea they've been resting. Mm-hmm. And so all of that stuff you have to take into consideration. That's exactly it. In the history of, of running, of all professional world champions ever, how many undefeated runners do we have? And the answer is none. Edwin Moses went just about 10 years in between losses. And how long he went? Yeah, it was outrageous. What about Hal Gabriel Selassie? He was the best runner of his generation, but he lost a decent yeah. amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bekele, Mo Farah, Elliot Kipchoge. The best streak there was Elliot at seven years, and he only raced twice a year. Mm-hmm. And then he lost. Seven years is a long time. But the point is, no one's undefeated. The greatest runners of our time on the trails, Killian Jornet, Jim Walmsley, they lose. Everyone's beatable. And yet you would look at Jim in the mountains and say, no one can touch him based off what he does in training. You'd look at Killian and say, no one could ever beat him at a long race because of what he does. But it happens all the time. So you have to respect what people do, be in awe of it pick little pieces from their training that fits into your paradigm of training and use it, but you can't assign anyone a platform based off of that. Just like what we said last time. You're right. Mm-hmm. I just think it ties in nicely to that conversation because that's where most of the comparatives come from is, is data that's put on mostly Strava. I, I don't, I don't know any, just think in the sport of obstacle course racing, since that's what we know best to all the top athletes, if they're on it, Maybe a few are private, but do you know any of the top guys other than maybe like Cody Moat and Hobie back in the day that weren't on Strava? No. I can't think of one. No, they're all on there. And and it's important to look at relationships on people's data because you see Mark Botris can run low sixes and Ryan Woods can run low sixes and high fives on their easy days, but they will also run sevens and eights on recovery days. But just because they can go out there on any given day and run 10 miles at six-minute pace, it doesn't mean that that's the requirement for being good. You also look and they'll run 430s on their fast days. So now you have a 90-second differential between easy and hard. And that's what you apply to yourself. Not, I'm trash if I can't run six-minute pace. It's, I'd like to be about 90 seconds to two minutes slower between my 5K pace and my easy pace. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the conversation... um... Ryan Woods had with you. I think I was in a group text or we were chatting and he said why he doesn't follow you or give you kudos on Strava. Do you remember this? I don't remember the why. You don't remember the why? 
So do you, you don't remember that conversation with Woodsy? I remember the conversation, but I don't remember why he said he doesn't. I remember one with Gawiski where Gawiski said, man, Woods never gives me kudos. And he said something to him like, oh, I'm always watching, but I only reward special workouts with the kudos. What did he say about mine? He said, I just can't give myself, get myself to give you kudos because all you're doing is running like eight, nine minute pace. And it's not even like fun to look at. And I wanted to pat you on the back because he just made fun of your slow ass runs. Cause you are kind of the master of the slow recovery runs. Mm-hmm. And so he just said he, uh, he was giving you a hard time for running so slow that he saw it was embarrassing. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, and that's true. A lot of my recovery runs are in the eights and nines, but I also do all of my recovery runs on technical trail. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, because it's my my rev limiter. I realize if I go out on technical trail and tell myself to run easy, you can't run technical trails fast without trying really hard to run fast. And you got to embrace that. I realized I'm going to be running a slower pace than the athletes I coach on my recovery runs, and I just have to embrace it. I've been on those trails that you do some of your recovery runs on, and they are windy and technical, and it's good to keep the governor on for those yeah. days. Work on cadence. You're never going to see kudos from Ryan Woods with that kind of performance bracket. Nope, will not. Well, and the, and the other thing is that if I go out and I, I hit a good tempo, that's not that's not a tempo for Ryan. That's a, that's a high-end aerobic for him. Right. And so I have to realize I'm not the runner he is. And so if I ever beat him, it's because of other things. And that's okay. Ryan Woods, if you're listening, which I believe you don't, <laughs> next <laughs> Next time you see Bracken post on Estrava, which I don't see much anymore, why don't you go ahead and throw him a little kudos, see if he notices. Twice per week, check my Strava, Kirk. I hit a new long run PR. Did you? Yep. Went 12 miles Saturday. Oh, how'd it go? What, 40 minutes. I regretted every step of leaving the house, and the next hour 20 was bliss. Interesting. You had to work into it, huh? Apparently. Yeah, that'll happen. You had a little fatigue in there probably. Yeah. The last thing, what do they call them? Stravassels? <laughs> Is that the term that they use for people on Strava who A, bully people on segments and B, cheat segments or go after them exclusively? Sure. Strava Wankers is another, I think that's an Instagram account, which yeah. is entertaining to follow. Now, I do not have a problem with people who go out for a run solely to get a, a crown. Mm-hmm. You see a segment, a quarter mile segment out there, and you go out for a 12 minute per mile jog, get there, run four flat pace for that, and then leave. Sure. Because it shouldn't affect anyone else. Now, there are people who get furious over that. It doesn't really bother me because that's not why we're out here. Mm-hmm. However, it's really frustrating when there are people who cheat routes or flag anyone's result that beats them as an issue. You know what drives me nuts is that the, the ski hills we train at. Yeah. Uh, there must be some people that like to track their distance and they just turn the run function on, on their watch. And then they take the chairlift up. Well, there's a king of the mountain up, the, up, up that <laughs> yeah. climb. And then they ski down and there's a king. So the ski hill situation, we got to get sorted out, Bracken. And the one I go to has cross-country skiing trails. So the downhills are all out of control or mountain bikers. If you choose the wrong mode of transportation on your watch, then it records it incorrectly. There's a segment. I had the the record. I think my record's like a minute seven or something. And second was like 120. Like I really had this one. Somebody just did 17 seconds last week. Really and I can't, I can't figure out how it happened. It was a guy in an airplane. 
Did he go? I don't know how it happened, but that is a frustration of Strava for sure. I lost a segment of mine that I used to do 800 meter intervals on. It was on this road alongside the trails. So I do my warm up and cool down on the trails and I'd hop out on the gravel shoulder of the road and do flat 800 meter intervals. And this lady did a 49 mile run. And the mm-hmm. first two and a half miles were at 14 minute pace. And then she got in her car and drove home and forgot to turn, turn her watch off. <laughs> 47 my section at like 55 miles per hour. <laughs> <laughs> there should be like an automatic flagger on that, right? So, so those are the downsides. But really, if, if you're just a decent person and you don't get hung up on what other people do and you use it for your own tool, you're fine. If you're the person that has to jump in on every Facebook argument and tell people that they're wrong and that they need to reevaluate their life, then you're going to have trouble on Strava too. No, 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 no. Listen, there's a girl named Jenny and there's a girl named Christina. Okay. Those two can suck it because they rollerblade on our bike path by my house and they took all my records. And you flag it. You send it to Lisa and she'll flag it for you. And then we got a Nancy and we got like a Peggy or something that got like a bike with a dog basket in it. And they love to put it on run too. So they get on their bike and I'm not... I look at their Strava like these aren't athletes, okay? Like I've seen photos and they got all my crowns now too. We got to do something. We got to create a movement bracket. Send it to Lisa and she'll flag it for you. And speaking of Lisa, this is a negative shout out for my wife. This is the last downside of Strava. Anytime you have great data that's really clean and beautiful and, and organized, it leads you to be obsessed with your data. And one of them, one of the pieces of data on here is your chart of your weekly mileage. Mm-hmm. And Lisa needs a pretty chart. If her <laughs> graph starts to dip, she has to hit her mileage in order to keep it up. She wants the most consistent bar graph across the course of a year that she could ever possibly have. Mm. Whereas the best thing for her would be to have some gradual inclines and then some valleys for deloads and for accounting for fatigue or injury. But she just wants the prettiest straight line she can keep. Mm-hmm. And if she doesn't hit that number, she has to hit it the next week. And so she represents, again, one of the dangers of having great data is that now if you don't hit that data point again next week, it was a failed week. Mm-hmm. That's true. More, 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 more. Or, you know, you see that graph go down and then you think it's it's a detriment. Yep. If you've hit 50 to 52 miles for a month straight, if you hit 49, it was a wasted week. Oh, I believe that totally. (laughs) (laughs) So Lisa, be better. Well, I mean, you know, if she's not training for anything and she's not struggling with injuries or burnout and she's doing it to be got something niggling a fit human, then that's okay. It is. She's got, what's her niggles? It's, it's always leg related, Achilles yeah. or calf or something in her foot. It's never bad, but it's always a down week would be good, but that would ruin my mileage goal. But I mean, who isn't always struggling with niggles and niggles, right? No one. I know. I mean, if you're training enough, you're not. Um, yeah, that's a good point to bring up there with that. Don't be a strav asshole. Um, did you make that up? No, no. I, I saw that in a forum or something somewhere. And you can go follow the Strava Wankers account on Instagram if you want. I followed it for like two months and then got sick of the same stuff. It's like people like saying, got the crown with an exclamation point. And then it's a segment with one person on it and it's them. And it's their segment that nobody else runs. And then they like brag about it. Or the the, the favorite pet peeve is on Strava, you can look at your, your moving time and your elapsed time. Oh, yeah. 
And that gets so many people, people. We can see that. You can look at people's data. You can say 5K PR of 19 minutes flat, but your elapsed time is like 24 minutes and it shows you took two, three minute breaks in the middle. Like we can see that. That's not a PR. That's just you being a stravasshole. And it also shows that your corresponding heart rate dropped 40 beats per minute every time you took a break. I, I get people caught on this. So like, uh, this client's going to know exactly who I'm talking about when she hears this, but she'll go out for a 70 minute run. I'll sign 70 minutes of vert. For example, she'll go to the local ski hill and it will say moving time, 65 minutes or elapsed time, 70 minutes, moving time, 65 minutes. And I'll be like, what, well, where did those five minutes go? Well, pausing on the way up to catch your breath or stopping to get a drink of water. I'm like, you're losing five minutes of time in 70 minutes. So maybe where can we fix that? Those things are actually super interesting. I get I get very amused with the elapsed versus yes. moving time. Yeah. So something else, just a note. Bracken, it's getting dark in your room right now. Do you got a storm rolling in or oh, something? Oh yeah, we got storms. We just hustled last night. Lisa in particular hustled to get some windows back up on the house because it rained all last night and it's gonna rain for the next day or two. Dude, you went from like bright and shiny to like I'm the lights turned off on you yeah that all rolled through here last night you guys get our stuff like a day late so what's sunny here kirk this wasn't the goal of the episode our point was to come on here and educate people who are looking into it because i've had a lot of questions about should i be on strava and warn about the pitfalls but talk about the benefits of using segments to help your quality days but i'm probably gonna have to hop off here and, and order premium I, I don't know. I think I, I accidentally took this in a, a back rub to Strava angle because it's helped me. So maybe we'll send this to them and ask for some some promotional product or something in return. Wouldn't that be sweet? Maybe they'll just comp my membership. Hey, yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be a that'd be worth this recording then. That's how you get sponsors, right? You complain about them and then you ask them to give it to you for free. Yeah. It's true. It's totally true. Um, all right. As we as we wrap up today, uh, just one question for you listeners. And we're considering diving into like a, let's call it a mini series on nutrition topics. Um, we have a different angle we'd potentially take with it, but I know we don't talk nutrition or supplementation or types of diets on this podcast very much. Why? Why? <sighs> I have my reasons. What are yours? I don't because there's no right answer for everybody. Okay. And no matter what you believe or works for you, like, I know it doesn't work for everybody. I know not everybody believes it. And answering questions leads to more questions. It seems to be just like a little more fiery of, of a topic in general. You got to dance around certain things. You, some recommendations could be detrimental. Some could be beneficial. You, the same reasons you, I assume. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, training, we have scientific results that prove that certain types of training work better for most people. Mm -hmm. Diet studies are inherently flawed. They're inherently biased most of the time. Someone's got their hand in a pocket somewhere that wants this study to show something. Mm -hmm. And for every person it works for, there are two or three that it doesn't work for. And we are in the business of educating people and sharing our passion. Mm -hmm. And we are not passionate about opening up rabbit holes down paths that cannot be proved. Do we think it's important? Yes. But we would rather stick to the things that we are just super passionate about and are very simple and easy to put out there for the masses that they can act on their own. Most yes. of our topics we will close with, do some more research, 
but you have enough information to go off of. We would do nothing but stoke a wildfire of this raging conversation debate back and forth about why we're wrong or why we're right or why that we're idiots. And we're just looking to avoid that. But I mean, nutrition is super important and it does make a difference when you get dialed in for you and your athletic goals and fueling yes. and all that. It's, it's so important. It's a very, very, very important piece of the puzzle. <laughs> so regardless as to what we had just said about maybe not wanting to dive into it, um, we're still entertaining it. Okay. Um, and potentially with like an expert uh, guest uh, or potential co-host um, to just give more info on the subject and very specific info on specific subjects regarding nutrition, athletic performance and everything. If you have an interest in it, reach out and tell us you have an interest in it because we're not sure what we're going to be doing with this yet, if anything. And if there's a big need, be vocal about it. And if you think you'd rather just listen to us, keep doing our thing, be vocal about that too. That's all I really have as a, as a takeaway or a homework assignment for you listeners. I have nothing to add to that. Let's wrap this baby up. All right, Strava, you're welcome. Uh, if we could get a kickback off of, you know, singing your praises, I'd appreciate it. Got the checks in the mail. Mm -hmm.